This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. When John the Baptist said to Herod and told Herod, by taking your brother's wife, Herodias, to be your wife, verse four, verse four, it's not lawful for thee to have her. And then the whole relationship changed and Herod no longer wanted to be the friend of John and Herod wanted to be the murderer now of John the Baptist. Verse five, verse five, when he would have put him to death, he feared the multitude, didn't fear God, he feared the multitude because they counted him as a prophet. So for just those words, it's not lawful for you to have your brother's wife, Herod wants to kill John the Baptist. And so often it's the case between believers and lost friends, all goes well in the relationship until there comes the one statement about heaven and hell, the one statement where the believer says or implies that he believes that anyone who doesn't come to Jesus is gonna be cast into hell and the whole relationship changes. Reminds me of my friend from 60 years ago when I told him that how the whole relationship went sour Reminds me of, of our friend, the Jewish Holocaust survivor in her 80s. Jean, you were with me. When I said that, I have to go to London, I just told her, I have to go to London because I gotta talk to my Jewish friend. He's turning 90 and he's not ready to die because he hasn't come to Jesus. She became infuriated. You remember that, Jean? She became infuriated. So what sours a relationship is a statement based on the word of God that touches the life personally, especially if it concerns the heart and who you should marry and shouldn't marry and this divorced person and that divorced person and whether you should live together with that person outside of marriage and, and it, it just tempers flare. And so it was with Samson. So Samson, he wanted this voluptuous Philistine senorita there for a wife and he flared at his parents who told him he shouldn't do that. In Judges 14.1, Judges 14.1, Samson went down to Timnath and saw a woman in Timnath of the daughters of the Philistines, and he came up and told his father and his mother and said, I've seen a woman in Timnath of the daughters of the Philistines. Now, therefore, get her for me to wife. 
Then his father and his mother said unto him, Is there never a, a woman among the daughters of thy brethren or among all the, my people? Thou goest to take a wife of the uncircumcised Philistines? Samson said unto his father, Get her for me, for she pleaseth me well. When it comes to love and sex, that's a test of whether a person has really surrendered to God and is going to listen to God. Unfortunately, in the case of Samson, twice he says to his mother and his father, Get her for me, she pleases me well. That's all that mattered to Samson. She pleaseth me well. And the devil used that to destroy Samson. It reminds me of fishing on the other side of, of uh, Carmen Island, island of Carmen. It's about 11 miles off the coast of Loreto. We go fishing over there on that other side and we see these abandoned buildings. Very interesting. Abandoned buildings, which are the abandoned dormitories of the men who used to work there in the salt fields. They worked in the salt fields and those abandoned dorms, they tell a story they tell a story of sin and shame and bondage because the island of Carmen used to produce all the salt that was bought by the states of Washington and Oregon to melt the ice on the road during the winters. And the pay was good for those salt field workers. And it was an important business. The island of Carmen got electricity before Loretto did because they had this business going there. But it wasn't easy to keep these owners they keep the owners, it wasn't easy for the owners of the salt field to keep the workers of salt fields over there isolated from Loretto working in those salt fields because the problem was the pay was good, but as soon as the men would earn enough money from work in the salt fields, they left the island of Carmen and they wouldn't return. They wouldn't come back. It wasn't nice to be there. So the owners of the salt fields came up with a scheme. They came up with a scheme to keep the men working there, keep them broke and work for more money. And last week, I went with a friend outside of Loretto along a dirt road, and, and we were going to go buy some fresh vegetables at a farm. And, and, um, and that's when I saw the scheme to keep those salt field workers from leaving the island of Carmen. Because along that dirt road was another large abandoned building. And that was the old brothel. And that brothel was, used to be located in Loretto along the beach, right in the center of town, which is very convenient because the, the salt owners would bring the men over on the boat and all they had to just walk over there to the whorehouse for a wild weekend party. But it was so noisy, nobody in the city wanted that brothel there in the middle of their town. And so they made them move it out to this dirt road outside of Loretto. And so well, anyway, that meant the trucks had to come and transport the men to the new location. Well, every weekend, the owners of the salt fields would bring the men over on the boats and the trucks to Island Carmel to the brothel where the men would spend all their monies with prostitutes and liquor in one just huge drunken weekend party. And at the end of the weekend, the men would be broke. So they had to go back to Carmen to earn more money. See, that was the cycle, that was the scheme, and it continued every week. And that's how the owners were able to keep the men working. That's a picture of what Satan does to keep a person away from God and slave in sin, because in John 8, 34, John 8, 34, Jesus answered them, say, Verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. So those men working on Carmen would never have said they were slaves. They wouldn't say they're slaves, but they were. Just like a person today would never say he's a slave to sin, but he is. Because all those salt field workers had to do to leave Carmen was just stop going to the whorehouse for those drunken weekend parties. And we can imagine how the men might say, I could stop going to the whorehouse whenever I want to. The problem is they couldn't want to. And that's the way sin is. 
A person can say, I can stop doing this sin whenever I want to. The problem is he can't want to. And those men knew that they should stop their sexual relations with those prostitutes, but the problem was Judges 14.2, Judges 14.2. She pleaseth me well. Samson knew he should stop his sexual relations with those uncircumcised Philistine women. I mean, sorry, from those Philistine women for the uncircumcised people. Anyway, you know what I'm trying to say. But the problem is Judges 14.2, she pleaseth me well. Herod knew that he should stop his sexual relations with his brother's wife, but the problem was Judges 14.2, she pleaseth me well. And then came John the Baptist. John the Baptist arrives from John 1.6. John 1.6, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. So John is sent by God for the purpose of telling others the message that here's the, here he is, John 1.29, John 1.29, the next time, Day, Jesus, John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world, takes away your sin. Here he is. But no one, nobody can come, could have come, will ever come to the Lord Jesus unless they first do what John the Baptist said in Matthew 3 1. Matthew 3 1. In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Matthew 3, 5, Matthew 3, 5. Then went out to him Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region about Jordan and were baptized in Jordan, confessing their sins. John was a prophet of repentance. John was a prophet that wanted people to believe by confessing their sins. Not just, oh yeah, I'm a sinner, but individual sins. If you encountered John the Baptist, you're gonna be told about your sin. And that was because John the Baptist was a prophet of repentance. And when John the Baptist had finished speaking, you knew exactly what your sin was and what you need to repent of. He did not beat around the bush. He was straightforward. He was as straightforward as saying to Herod in verse four, verse four, John said unto him, it's not lawful for thee to have her. John didn't care about being politically correct. John cared for people. John wanted people to be saved from the judgment of sins. He wanted, this, he wanted the Lamb of God to take away the sins of the people he talked to. And John did not say to Herod, you know, um, it'd really kind of be uh, more honorable for you if you just return Philip's wife back to Philip, don't you think? John did not say to Herod, it'd be better for Philip to have his wife back, don't you think? John did not say to Herod, you'd be a great example to the people if you just sacrificed your desire to have Philip's wife and you did what was his right. John did not say to the people, doesn't look good to other people that you've got Philip's wife. What John said in verse four was, it's not lawful for thee to have her. John said to Herod, it's not lawful, and he's not talking about the laws of Rome which were the laws of the land. John was talking to him about the laws of God. John was saying to Herod, you're guilty of sin before God. And for John, it didn't matter that Herod was not a Jew. John knew that there's only one God and he's the God of all people, the Jewish people, the Roman people, and that God's laws apply to all people. And Herod didn't know it, but John was actually his best friend. 
Because a best friend is a person who works to get that person to be a friend of God's. And Herod thought that John was his worst enemy because he didn't know that John was his best friend. We're best friends with others when we work to get them to be friends with God. And when we do that, some of our friends think that we're the worst enemy. Why do you bring that up? Why do you want to separate us? But we're actually their best friends. Just like the prophet Nathan, who, by the way, is identified in the Bible as a friend of David's. But when King David had taken the wife of Uriah and then had him murdered, Nathan goes and tells David this story about the man who had a lot of lambs and another man who only had one lamb. And the man with a lot of lambs goes and takes the one lamb from the other man. And it says in 2 Samuel 12, 5, 2 Samuel 12, 5, David's anger was greatly kindled against the man, and he said to Nathan, as the Lord liveth, that man that hath done this thing shall surely die, and he shall restore the lamb fourfold, because he did this thing, because he had no pity. And Nathan said unto David, thou art the man. So Nathan told David of his sin when he said in that 2 Samuel 12, 7, 2 Samuel 12, 7, thou art the man. And John the Baptist told Herod of his sin when he said to Herod in verse four, verse four, it's not lawful for thee to have her. Herod wanted Herodias because she pleased Herod well. And Herodias wanted Herod because Herod was her ticket to more power in the kingdom. And Herod hated John the Baptist because he wanted Herod to return Herodias to Philip and Herodias hated John the Baptist because he wanted Herod to return Herodias to Philip. So Herodias hatched a plan, a scheme, to get John the Baptist killed. Now Herodias has a daughter with Philip, and her name is Salome, and the immoral mother, Herodias, trains her daughter how to use her dancing to sexually entice the men. And then she launches her daughter as a sexual weapon on Herod's birthday in verse six, verse six. And when Herod's birthday was kept, the daughter of Herodias danced before them and pleased Herod. Just like the fishermen. You know, I'm not in love with fishing, but it's very interesting. And um, a fisherman, you know, he looks over the edge of his boat and he sees the fish looking at the bait, on the bait that's, the, the bait that's on the hook. And so, just like that, Herodias is watching the eyes of Herod as Herodias, her 17-year-old daughter, as the bait on the hook to trap Herod. And when Herodias's eyes, when she sees Herod's eyes and Herod's face and sees him just light up to take the bait of her enticing daughter, we can imagine that Herodias might've yelled out, why don't you promise my daughter to give her what she wants? and the aroused Herod takes the bait. In verse seven, verse seven, whereupon he promised with an oath to give her whatsoever she would ask. And then, with one jerk of the fishing pole, Herodias had set the hook in Herod's mouth, and Herod was trapped. And now just a matter of her reeling in Herod for the kill, which is the kill of John the Baptist. And the 17-year-old Salome was just the bait that her mother Herodias used to bury the hook underneath the girlish beauty of her daughter as, uh, verse eight, verse eight, verse eight. 
And she, being before instructed of her mother, said, give me here John Baptist's head and a charger. It was just that simple. That's the way it worked. And verse 10 was the kill. Verse 10, he sent and beheaded John in the prison. That's what happened, just that simple. Later, another John, John the Apostle, saw John the Baptist, part of the souls he saw in Revelation 20, verse four, Revelation 20, verse four, I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God. Now, this is how life ended for John the Baptist on earth. With no accusation, no hearing, no trial, no opportunity to defend himself, no law, no justice, no appeal, no due process. John the Baptist was tried, condemned, and executed in one breath of uh, Herod. And all those great things that were said about John the Baptist. For example, John 5.35, John 5.35, John the Baptist was a burning and a shining light, and you were willing for a season to rejoice in his light. An immoral woman, Herodias, put out that light and she caused the world to lose a burning and a shining light that the people were rejoicing in. Matthew 3.3, about John the Baptist, Matthew 3.3. This is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Through a sexually enticing dance, the great voice that cried in the wilderness was silenced. Matthew 11.14, Matthew 11.14. If you receive it, this is Elijah which was for to come. This was Elijah of the New Testament, the great prophet Elijah. And this is how this great Elijah in the New Testament was stopped. John 1.6, John 1.6, we already saw this. John 1.6, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. This is how the man sent from God was returned to God. John 1.7, John 1.7, the same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. This is a great witness responsible for so many believing. This is how he was shut down. This is how he was shut down. Maybe the greatest thing that John the Baptist did, he inaugurated, initiated the ministry of Jesus in uh, Matthew 3.13, Matthew 3.13. Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized him. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee. Comest thou to me? Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water. The heavens were open unto him. He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. This is John the Baptist. He baptized the Lord Jesus to start his ministry, at which time the Spirit of God descends on Jesus. He hears the voice from heaven that God's so pleased with him, and now John the Baptist passes the baton over to the Lord Jesus. Acts 13, 25, Acts 13, 25. As John fulfilled his course, he said, whom think ye that I am? I'm not he, but behold, there cometh one after me whose shoes of his feet I'm not worthy to loose. Here's John the Baptist. He has fulfilled his course, and when there's nothing left for him to do, this is how his course is stopped. Really? Is this the way it ends for John the Baptist? No great ceremony of his death, no public crucifixion, not even, not even a public burning at the stake, no final words that he gets to say to a crowd, herein do I stand, I can do no less. He's beheaded in a prison. That's not a place where you normally have executions. In the night, after supper, huddled off in a corner in a cell. 
His head is just chopped off like nothing. And John wasn't the last person to die like that. Blood covered up, cleaning crew that comes in. I gotta get this blood out of here. We got more prisoners coming. And it's all just covered up. Not so, God says. Psalm 9, verse 12. Psalm 9, verse 12. God makes inquisition for blood. He remembers them. He forgets not the cry of the humble. God will make inquisition for blood like John the Baptist's blood. And we can imagine those cleaners coming in at John's old cell and say, okay, we gotta cover up the blood, throw some dirt on it, get ready for the next. And God says, no, 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 no. He says, uh, Isaiah 26, 21, Isaiah 26, 21. Behold, the Lord cometh out of his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity. The earth also shall disclose her blood and shall no more cover her slain. The earth is gonna disclose. Here's John the Baptist's blood, here it is. No more be covered up. That was John the Baptist's beheading when the burning light was extinguished, the voice in the wilderness was silenced, the witness for the light was quieted, his course was completed. All from an immoral woman who trapped a man into having to obey and behead John. Did he lose? John the Baptist lose? Should he have been more politically correct? No, he didn't lose, and he did just what he was supposed to do. What about his following? What about the disciples of John the Baptist? They weren't beheaded, they're still there. Well, that's verse 12, here they come. His disciples came, took up the body, and buried it, and went and told Jesus. This is very, very important, this verse here, because it's not so much that they're coming and informing Jesus what happened when they went and they said they told Jesus. They're coming to him not to inform him. They're coming to him for comfort. They're coming to him for help. They're transferring their allegiance from John the Baptist to Jesus. They remember John the Baptist's words in John 1.29, John 1.29, that this is the he is the one. He's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. There's so much that's wrapped up in these words because they were assuring themselves that when this happened there, their faith did not die when John the Baptist died. They were assuring themselves as they transferred to Jesus. It's very important. You know, whenever there's a removal of a loved one on earth, what it should accomplish in us is what we see in verse 14, verse 12. It should accomplish that bring us closer to Jesus. John was removed so that they might go to Jesus. John might have come in the way between them and Jesus, especially with questions like, well, why do we fast and you don't fast? And, and so God said, it's just time to remove John now because the disciples of John have to graduate. They have to move on now to Jesus. And so he moves them on. But how about the circumstance? It doesn't matter. Herodias, Salome, sexual enticement, doesn't matter. John was removed. His head was severed from him. His head's on a charger, which is one of those plates that's used for delicacies toward the end of the meal, a big silver plate. It's like dished up. His head's severed. They only get to bury his body. But God says, you got his head, I got his soul. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the life of John the Baptist. And Lord, we uh, pray that uh, we might 
be faithful like he was. In Jesus' name, amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.